Hello and welcome to the sit rep for today, which is the 20th of July, 2023. And uh, it's been a little while since I've done one. It, uh, I actually did do a couple of other little filming things for sit reps um, and had a couple in the pipeline that I was going to do uh, and just didn't do it. I filmed one, I tried a different format where I'm not doing it live. Um, at the moment, I'm live on Instagram, live on YouTube. Uh, it gets streamed into Rumble and uh, I'm recording it for audio as well for podcast. Um, but I thought I'd, I'd give this a crack at filming it and I did that and I just, I didn't like it. I don't know what it was. It's almost like I need you guys here. You've got to be here with me, otherwise I don't feel comfortable. I feel a bit weird just talking to a camera by myself. It's it's a strange thing. Anyway, um, skull to you, wherever you are. hope you're in good health and um, drinking the good stuff. There's been a lot of stuff that's going on, um, and particularly today there was a lot of stuff, and I wanted to jump on and talk about that. First off, I want to preface this. Uh, a lot of wackiness that's going on in the world right now um, many, many different things, many different things that are happening. But I, th I just find it interesting that we had a particularly, um, how would you describe it? Strong discharge from the sun. So there was some solar activity that happened recently. It was quite a large, um, spike in solar activity. It was, uh, an M class flare, which happens all the time. For those who don't know what the flare sort of rating system is, M is the second highest, X is the highest. And we've had Xs over the past couple of months. Um, we've had many Ms. But this one was a bit different. It wasn't just a spike. This was kind of like a sustained, uh, more powerful brunt of an attack. Oh, it's not really an attack. It's just the sun doing its thing. But um, it it came out and it's, and it's kind of smashing into the earth, uh, well, as of late, late last night a little bit, but early this morning. And through this morning, we've we've felt the effects of it. So that's what we're actually um, feeling there. Um, hold on one sec. What's going on with my audio? Doesn't matter. Anyway, I'm going to let it run. Um, thank you, Captain Quest. I see you too. I mean, I don't actually see you, but I see you making comments, and I appreciate that, my friend. I hope you're well and um, you know, captaining and living the the best life that you can, my friend. Um, so anyway, this, this solar flare, what does that mean for the price of fish? Well, I mean, there are a number of studies. Correlation does not equal causation. I'll just put that, um, caveat in there right now. However, what, what we see is these solar activity, these, um, uptick in solar activity, these flares and things like that, uh, these CME type events, and then we see a number of really interesting effects. One, the first and foremost that is probably most obvious to, to most people is things to do with electricity. So um, personally, I have actually experienced this. I was, I was teaching courses that were online for the last two days and could I was experiencing a number of weird things. And then also uh, watching TV, which comes in through the internet where I am, um, has just been cutting out all day, which is highly odd it's not like i'm on satellite anymore i have some small solid solid internet in the nbn um you know be that what it is but it, it, it is pretty weird and that, that's one thing i just want to point out today 
that there's some weird stuff happening. The other effect that happens is psychological and physiological to human beings, actually to all uh, living beings on Earth. It does have an effect, or it appears to have an effect. Um, and then, lo and behold, there's a whole heap of crazy news that sort of happened overnight. There's other reasons for it. I'm not saying it's it's caused by by the sun. I'm just saying that's probably you know um, part and parcel of it. It's another factor that's coming in that may be increasing certain things that we're seeing, um, which I'll get to right now. Uh, just quickly, hello, Steve. Good to see you. And hello, Reagan on the YouTubes. All right, uh, let's get into some stories here. The first one, I actually posted this up a few days ago on um, Instagram as a, uh, a reel because it was, it was pretty disturbing when I read it. <laughs> Tech giants form partnership to make AI woke host workshops about incorporating Karl Marx's teachings and critical race theory into the systems. I think, you know, this is, um, we're at a kind of a critical point here. Artificial intelligence, uh, I, I don't think it's like the thing that's going to take over or anything necessarily, but it is, as far as I can see at the moment, and the way I'm judging it, is a disruptive technology. So like when cars were invented, they disrupted how we as human beings operate and live. Um, there are entire industries that were wiped out overnight and entire industries that were created overnight. Um, but it definitely changed. The internet was one that I actually lived through. Yes, yes, old man gads, let me tell you about when there a world before the internet, kids. Um, there was a world before the internet. We couldn't do this when I was a kid. Um, and then everything changed. We got the internet, and all of a sudden this explosion in the 90s of um, access to weird cat videos and... Uh, we chats, chat groups that you could just do. That's that's all I remember playing uh, or doing on the internet when I was growing up. Strange chat groups. Um, Peter Rouse says there's no such thing as AI. Algorithms is not AI. Um, and I'm, I'm inclined to agree with you. There's like, th this is kind of what I'm saying here is there's a lot of hype around AI. My experience with it thus far, and I have played with it a little bit, not a whole heap, but just a little bit to get, you know, see what's actually going on here. Um, I, I wasn't blown away. I was like, this is kind of cool, but this is really, you know, the next iteration of that dorky little paperclip thing on Microsoft Word. Um, it was just really something that was good at scanning the internet and, and feeding information that was already there. I didn't see it revolutionizing. I didn't see it creating its own thoughts or anything like that. It was just summation of information that was already there. So that's what I'm seeing. I'm talking about ChatGPT here, but um, that's what I'm seeing thus far. It's nothing that's really like rocked my world, except I'm like, oh, this is cool, and I can get away with a lot of stuff and do things a lot easier if I wanted to. Um, the issue here is that it is being used a lot, and people are going to use it more and more and more. So that's my concern here when I'm looking at these tech giants getting together. And, and um, just to give you a bit of a heads up, we're talking about Amazon, Facebook, Google, Microsoft, and IBM. So these aren't, and also ACLU, Apple, potentially Ford Foundation, Adobe, OpenAI, and others, it says, other smaller ones. But there's some pretty big wigs in this industry. They've got a lot of clout, and together they could have a lot of clout. And they're, they're looking at introducing Karl Marx teachings, I, like of all 
the teachings we could put into AI, I find that so mind-boggling, <laughs> so utterly mind-boggling. Why, why would we go for that? Um, I mean, I know why you'd go for that. It's a, it's a pretty good system of control. And if you think about how machines operate and how humans operate, it doesn't actually fit together that well unless you make humans more like machines, which is pretty much what I would describe Marxism as. The attempt to make human beings, to turn human beings into numbers, into machines, into automatons. Um, and so, you know, yeah, why not? Like, this makes sense. Okay, well, if we can get the humans to actually start working with the machines better by becoming machines themselves, that's a great, great win for everyone, right? Um, very disturbing idea for me. Extremely disturbing. And I'm not even going to start on critical race theory, which I just, like, is think, I just think is the biggest joke out there, honestly. Like, um, how you can actually hold on to that with a sane, rational mind, look at critical race theory and go like, yes. Yep, this makes sense. Um, even from a, an emotive standpoint, <laughs> I still don't know how they hold on to it. But anyway, that's some people's shtick. That's what they like doing. That's the first disturbing thing that's happening. It's got nothing to do with solar flares, though. Um, this next one doesn't have anything to do with solar flares at all. But it does have to do with food supply. What about the food supply? Uh, sharp increase in the cost of food. Again. Again. Uh, I was talking to someone about this recently who said, hey, do you hear food, like, um, they're saying that inflation data is actually, like, up around 10% for food? And I was, like, laughing. I was like, man, if you think food has is, is only inflated 10%, you're not paying attention to your bank account. Um, food is going through the roof, and uh, we'll probably continue to do so. So what's... What's the next nail in the coffin for the food system? Russian pulls out of the Ukrainian grain deal in potential blow to global food supplies. Um, no surprise there. This is from CNN, by the way, and so that's why it's framed in such a way. Russia pulling out of the, the um, Ukraine grain deal. How bad are they? They're the worst, and that's going to hurt our food supply. You know, let's not talk about what Ukraine's done on the other side. Let's not talk about all the other factors to do with it. Let's just... Again, focus on Russia that does have a hand in this. And there is some, if you're going to throw around blame, yeah, you know, paint them with some, but also paint everyone else with it as well, because there's a lot of blame to go around here. Um, latest little bit of news on this as well that I saw uncorroborated was that Russia is actually saying that grain shipments moving through that area, anywhere from, you know, Ukraine downwards, um, will be considered warlike ships. So read into that what you will, but um, that's pretty much what they're saying there. Um, Peter Rouse said they don't include food in the inflation index anymore. I was, exactly. I was trying to explain how the CPI data was actually collected and how it's been manipulated for a long time now. Um, and part of that is where they add in things like flat screen TVs, um, you know, certain automobiles, and they take rent prices, not based on rent prices, oddly enough. They just ask some people who own homes, what, what do you think you'd charge for rent? You know, if, if you were to rent this place, would, would you charge like 200 bucks a week? And they're like, yeah, sounds fair. And they're like, cool, we'll put that in. That's, that's the level of truth that's coming out in our CPI data. So 
Um, and, and it wouldn't surprise me if they did totally scrap food altogether from inflation. I don't know how they can, from CPI at least. Um, I don't think they could take it out of CPI because it, it's, you know, consumer price index, consumer, one thing that we all have to consume is food. So it's what most people are buying. Um, yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me though if they decided to take that out just because it was like ruining their good numbers. Like if we put stuff like that out, people might not vote for us again. We can't have that. Can't have that. Interesting they don't say why Russia pulled out of the deal. Um, that's very true. They, they just say, I mean, CNN just says that they're not doing it because they're Russia. How dare they? Um, other sources like RT articulated a, a little bit more, but you know, I, I'll leave it up to you to go read these things. It, it is very interesting like what's actually happening there in that area. Um, but the, the global impacts are what really you know, comes back to us as preparedness-minded human beings. What, what is this going to do? Will it mean that wheat in Australia will go up in price? Most likely, yes. And that doesn't seem to make it in a lot of sense on the surface, but I've said this ad nauseum um, again and again and again. It doesn't matter what our supply and our demand is here, within here in Australia. I mean, it does matter. It changes things a little bit. But if there is somebody who's charging $300 for wheat and we are charging $20 for wheat, we will not sustain that. We are in a globalized interconnected system. So even if there is no actual equivalent where, where things are traveling there, we will still look at that. Wheat sellers at least will look at that and go like, well, I can at least get 150 for this. Up it comes. Um, that's how the system works. This is the system that, that we have created for ourselves over the past 50 years. So, uh, expect food prices to increase. Steve Garrison says, has deer got parasites like wild pig? Every animal potentially has parasites. Um, that's why you should always check the animal. If you're going out and hunting, when you harvest the kill, you should always check that animal for parasites. Um, you should also take measures to knock out a lot of the parasites. So the things you can do that will actually um, help mitigate a lot of the, the parasitic effects um, from some things, some of the common things. Not everything, but you know, there's stuff you can do. Uh, that was a bit of a, a sidebar. All right, this one here, very interesting stuff. Sent to me by one of my good friends. Um, it is a link to the Global Methane Hub, uh, a collective I'd never heard of before, but apparently this is a worldwide collective that's very, very concerned with methane. Um, well, what, what produces methane? Livestock. Right. Yes, that thing, those animals, those naughty, bad, farting animals that have also been on Earth for as long as we have, are all of a sudden a problem. So we've got to get rid of them. We have to get rid of livestock. Major livestock producing countries commit to mitigate methane in agriculture. Well, guess which one of those countries is? Australia. We've signed up to this fucking madness. Um, Today, the Global Methane Hub announced that agriculture and environmental ministers and ambassadors from 13 countries, including the United States, have issued a commitment to reduce methane emissions in agriculture. Last month, the Global Methane Hub collaborated with the Ministries of Agriculture of Chile and Spain to convene the first ever global ministerial on 
agricultural practices to reduce methane emissions. If there's not little uh, alarm bells going off in your head right now, there should be. This is up there with, um, yeah, countries are seriously thinking about geoengineering and pumping some sort of uh, stuff into the sky to block out the sun. This is, is a warning to us. This should be a warning to you that this is not a good idea. Um, I mean, how they do it is important, but what we're looking at the barrel down the barrel of here is a global food crisis, which is already unfolding. And I've talked about this a number of times, but I will continue to talk about it. We don't feel it necessarily here in Australia. We bitch and complain that we're having to pay more for groceries or that maybe there's only three boxes of cereal on the shelf instead of seven this week. But people in Africa are dying from this. There are people around the world who are currently starving to death. They're copping the brunt of it. Maybe we will at some stage. I don't think it will get that bad in the hyper-developed countries, in the rich countries, of which we are definitely one. But this is what we're looking at. Less food. Less food equals less humans. Um, which... You know, if managed the right way, I guess, could uh, over a long enough time period, uh, which we're going that way anyway, if we start to look at things like demographics of certain countries. All right, maybe we live on Earth with less humans in the future. But how quickly that happens, when we condense that drop in human population, we increase pain, heartbreak and hurt. So suffering, essentially. Um, that's the way I look at it, at least. We can see that throughout history, there are periods where there was increased death and we remember those periods. They were called World War II, it was called World War I, it was called uh, the Black Plague. We know that many, many people died in a very short period of time and it is painful and that pain is carried on throughout history. Um, spoiler alert, it wasn't the last one. Um, the last three years, we were all hid away from each other. That wasn't an increase in death. <laughs> Oddly enough, oh, shocking. Um, they're already doing that in the skies. The past few months, the amount of trails in the skies over Dungong, Dungog are crazy. I've been seeing this all over the internet too. Maybe it's just the, the particular echo chamber that I inhabit on the internet, my corner of the internet. But there seems to be a lot of people posting this stuff. Maybe more people are just becoming aware about what, you know, if they're po po pumping stuff into our um, air. Maybe there is more of it. I don't know, but interesting stuff. Current CO2 levels are at critically low levels, says Peter Rouse. Was increase in death after they added the jab? Almost said it. Um, you know what we're talking about, though, there, um, where we saw a marked increase in inexplicable deaths, I knew I'd get there, um, wasn't during the problem. It was after the problem when any everyone theoretically had taken the thing to stop the problem. Then people were dying. There was an increase in deaths then. Can't figure it out. Can't figure it out. You know what? This is just like a, a bag of cocaine in the White House. I don't know. Don't know. Uh, I, I asked three people. They said they didn't know. So I've given up my search, basically. We don't know. Why would that happen? 
All right, next thing we're going to talk about is um, the tragic news that happened this morning in Auckland, New Zealand, about the shooter attack. Um, a person armed with a, a allegedly a pump-action shotgun. Um, I've only seen two sources that said that. So, uh, And I'm always wary about the news reporting on the type of firearm. So possibly a pump-action shotgun. Um, but... You know, whenever the news the news says some utterly whack shit about types of weapons when they're when they're reporting on this sort of stuff, so I'm always like, oh, it was a what? Huh? Are you sure about that? Are you sure? Um, anyway, went into a, a construction site. Um, uh, latest news I had was two two killed, uh, six injured. Um, you know, pr- pretty tragic thing to happen, and never, never like to see this, never like to hear it. Um, I'm sure at some point we'll, we'll see some news spin about how this person was somehow a, a white supremacist, you know, Nazi loving right winger or something, some shit like that. Um, which, from the reports I'm looking at at the moment, don't appear to be that way. It, it appears to be a construction worker, oddly enough. Um, so. Yeah, not never a good thing that when these sort of things happen. But um, I do try and take the lessons from these things where we can. And uh, part of the courses that I've been teaching the last two days have had active shooter um, or active assailant teaching in them. So uh, again, yet another example: active assailant events are something that happens anywhere or emergency situations, I always like to say, say this, high threat environment is not a place, it's not a geographical location. You don't get a, on a plane and go to high threat environment. Yes, there are some places that have a longer lasting high threat environment, but a high threat environment is a temporal event that bursts out of the mundane world and creates an emergency or a disaster around it for a period of time. And, and we could be caught in that at any stage. You could be caught in that. It behooves us to pay attention to the world around us, to notice things, and to be ready to react to certain emergencies. This is all about survival, really, uh, when it comes down to it, what I'm talking about right now, um, to increase our survivability. Paying attention, having situational awareness, and being able and ready to react to these sorts of tragic events that happen. Um, Sure, there's going to be a lot of fallout from this one, and uh, most likely if you are a New Zealander and this bears true that this is a pump-action shotgun, be prepared to hand them in. They're gone. They're out. We don't have them here in Australia. Can't have a pump-action. I can have a pump-action 223. Can't have a pump-action shotgun. I can have a straight-pull shotgun. Can't have a pump-action shotgun, though. I don't make rules. Don't ask me. Um, yes, prepare to lose your weapons, basically. All right, uh, another, and, and this is, this was, uh, this one in particular, because it happened this morning, um, violent behavior, um, outbursts like this, what, what's initiating this, there's probably a lot that'll be dug out of this, and I will probably be able, uh, I'll probably be looking out for the after-action review uh, police reports. I usually, this is what I do for a job, so I usually do read these sorts of things. If there's any video or, or um, photographic evidence there, that's the sort of stuff that I pour through. It sounds very macabre, sounds very dark, but that's this is what I do for a job. I try and keep people safe by staring at the, the bad things in the world, staring into the darkness, as it were. Um, so 
We'll see what actually comes out of this one. Um, but like I was saying with the, the solar flares, I'm going full tinfoil hat. Where is my tinfoil hat? One moment. Yes. Oh, going to full tinfoil hat now with trying to make the link between violent behavior, increases in violent behavior, increases in deaths and things like that when we have solar flares. So that's one of the reasons that I look out for solar flares. I watch a YouTube channel almost every day where they put out a report on what's happening on the sun called Suspicious Observers. And I, I highly recommend looking it in. All this information that I'm talking about really, I learned from first watching that and then going doing a bit of my own research on it. Um, but yeah, we see this correlation between solar flares, solar activity increases and um, weird behavior. Uh, psychotic behavior, um, violent behavior, and then also physiological um, issues as well. So again, yep, tinfoil hat, but I'm also, there is there is a little bit of science in there to back this up. It's not totally tinfoil hat, but also uh, violent behavior leads into our next story, um, which is less tinfoil hat. Um, the massive, massive, protest you could call it a protest but i would really look at this as an attack uh, against the swedish embassy in uh iraq in baghdad so um, hundreds of supporters of the iraqi shia cleric muqtada al-sadir have stormed the swedish embassy in baghdad ransacked its offices and set it on fire why have they done this because sweden just approved a protest in Sweden out the front of the, the Iraq um, embassy. And as a result, they said, that's it. We're going we're gonna to one-up you. I'll see your protest and we're going to burn your fucking embassy to the ground, motherfuckers. Um, and that's, that's basically what they did. The Swedish embassy is not manned, from what I can see, from the, the small amount of research I did on this. Um, it doesn't. It didn't appear that there was anyone in there, and it ha and there hasn't been for months, for uh, quite some time. So, um, no months, days, a month. Um, so yeah, there doesn't appear that there was anyone hurt or killed or anything in it, but they've certainly lost that embassy now. Um, Peter Rouse says, "I'll keep my semi-automatic shotgun then." Um, and says maybe linked to the meds they are taking. Um, potentially, yes. I agree with that. As in why are we seeing violent or psychotic behavior? Guess what? It is cold where I am. It is damn cold. Um, and not just cold where I am, it's cold all throughout the southeast of Australia. In fact, bitterly record-breaking cold right now. So three days ago, I saw a report that we had the hottest recorded temperature. I think it was in the Middle East somewhere off memory, um, where there was a point somewhere, it's an uninhabited point, but they, for some reason they measure temperature out there. And they said it got to the point where it would be almost, almost at the point where humans could not inhabit it, like couldn't survive basically in this heat. Um, we don't inhabit that area anyway, so, okay. Um, but, you know, very, very hot, very, very hot conditions happening at the moment. Everyone um, on my feed, at least, that I know in the US of A is uh, posting photos of them sweating profusely. Uh, they're not. They're just 
saying that it's very hot over there at the moment. Uh, whereas down here in Australia, it's cold. Uh, Peter Rouse says that was a BS story about the hottest temperature. Um, I, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't deny that at all. <laughs> it, it would benefit certain factions and certain narratives for them to pump out how hot it's going to be. What flies in the face of that? Uh, actual temperature data. Mm. Um, stuff like coldness, <laughs> for example. I know we're, we're in the middle of winter here. Um, well, not in the middle of winter. We're, we're past the middle, but we're still deep into winter down here in Australia. And it is cold. It was minus three this morning. So cold that my hot water pipes freeze because they run through the roof of this place for some fucking reason. Um, anyway, they're free, so I got no hot water, which was good that I checked this morning because I was going outside. I've just set up my ice bath again. And I was going outside to jump in the water, minus three outside, not in the water, but it was minus three in air temperature. And I thought, uh, I'll just turn the shower on and, and sort of warm it up first and no hot water. And I was like, that, that was good. That was good that I didn't jump in there. Um, but I am going to go jump in there right after this, maybe in between this and dinner. Um, because, you know, why not? I'll tell you why, though. <laughs> why would you do that? It's crazy. Um, no, cold water immersion is good for a number of reasons. It's physiologically good, but but I think one of the main reasons I do it is um, I'm old and my body hurts all the time. Yes, <laughs> no, that's that. It's actually psychologically um, enhancing, I believe, or it builds resilience. And resilience, you know, I always talk about resilience. Resilience, one of the three R's that, that I want to get across to people that uh, I think we should be encouraging in the world right now. Reliance, self-reliance, resilience, and responsibility. Um, I think those three R's are really, I, I look, view them as kind of touchstones for everything that I'm doing here, that I'm encouraging. This is what I want to get across. I want people to be more self-reliant. I want people to be more resilient. And I want people to be more responsible for themselves, for those around them. Uh, and not just point the finger and go like, it's your fault that this is happening to me. You know, yeah, okay, maybe it is someone's fault that shit's happening to me or to you. But at the end of the day, who's going to fix it? The more we sit there and, and grovel and whine and bitch to mummy daddy government, the more power we give them and the more they'll take away from us. And that is anti-self-reliance. If we want to be self-reliant, we have to be responsible. Um, anyway, that rant is now over. Go get in some cold water today, gang. Um, the... Temperature gauge hit a chilly minus 10.8 degrees in the Northern Tablelands, a town called Glen Innes. I know, I know some of you Northern American folk will be laughing at us right now. Us Aussies are not necessarily adjusted well to the cold, all right? We are adjusted well to heat. But minus 10 in this part of the world, um, it, does, it does get colder, and especially when you get a uh, wind chill factor, but this is straight up minus 10. Um, not not with wind chill factor. It does get to minus 10 where I live, but that is with wind chill factor. Usually air temperature with no wind, minus four, I want to say, is probably the coldest I've seen it. Um, yeah, minus three overnight, maybe a minus five every now and then. So yeah, little cold snap that's happened. Um, people are a bit chilly. They're putting on their, their cardigans and their 
They're woolly jumpers here, and I, for one, am loving it. I do love the cold. <laughs> um, Peter House says, I just cold shower every day. That's also what I do most days, Peter. Um, I've just been lazy. I moved recently and then didn't bother setting up the, the cold plunge um, little tank pool thing. Um, but I did just set it up again. Um, most of the time I just cold shower or what, what I call, if I don't straight up cold shower, I do what, what's called a Scottish shower where you have a hot shower, but then turn it off in the last couple of minutes, you sit there in the, um, cold shower. When I lived in Canberra, it got cold and very foggy. Um, yeah, a lot of fog, a lot of fog in this area of the world, um, very misty in the mornings. And then that usually clears up. And one of the, one of the hallmarks of this area of the world and the thing that I really love about winter is that when it clears up, most of winter is marked by cold, crisp days and blue, blue skies with sunshine. So you're getting sunshine, you're getting vitamin D, but it's that really bracing cold crispness that like lets you know that you're alive. Um, I'm that kind of person that if I'm in the heat too long, I just like, it's like I'm, you know, drugged out or something. I, I just feel this malaise, like I'm moving through molasses all the time. Um, I like a little bit of heat, but I enjoy the, the contrast between the two. Um, Larmans Grove says, if I move my digital weather gauge beside the chimney flu, it'll show that it's the warmest winter on record. Uh, absolutely. Um, where are they taking these temperatures from? Something we've always got to think about. Anyway, um, that's enough about me complaining about the weather. Not really complaining, just commenting on it. Weather's weather. Enjoy the cold. Me for one, with all the climate change alarmism that's happening, I, I kind of personally think if we're going to be alarmed about anything, we should be alarmed about cold temperatures. Um, I've lived in very hot climates and um, I've lived in climates that I would say are muggier and maybe you know, if you mix in sort of high carbon in, into the, the equation too, all the talk about what we're, you know, worried about as a world, carbon levels and heat increases and blah, blah, blah. Um, that to me smacks of like really, really good growing conditions. Uh, and when I've lived in hotter climates, that's something that I've done. It's like I got, I got lazy as a gardener there because it's like, this is too easy. Why would I even bother gardening? It's growing out here anyway on the sidewalk. But you know, I sneezed and things would start growing. Like, oh, wonderful. Uh, down here, <laughs> I've had to work for it. And there are there are months, there are months and months where it's just like, nothing's going to happen. You can work your ass off in that garden. Nothing's going to happen. So for me, I always look at it like this. If we're talking about climate change, um, and a lot of people are worried about us getting too hot and increasing the temperature and increasing um, sea level rise and, and all this sort of stuff. That's, that, that sounds like an issue to me, but uh, what would be more of an issue is going into an ice age, going into some sort of really cold era where growing becomes hard. And we, we can actually see what happens here because we have some evidence that we've been through what you might call a mini ice age or a cold period where we've had years that we've had a very, very cold period. Um, I'm, I'm blanking on, on the actual dates now, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it was throughout the 1800s or might've been 1600s. 
um, but maybe 1800s, there was the, the, uh, an explosion, a very large volcanic explosion, and it dropped the temperature, global temperature, by a couple of degrees for a few years in certain points, not across the world. Um, and they talk about it as the endless winter or the year with no summer or, you know, the great... It, it caused a lot of famine because people couldn't grow food. So, um, you know, that, that if you're going to be concerned about anything, I think that's a worthwhile thing to be concerned about. Um, it's what wiped out the first Icelanders. Huh. Says Captain Quest. That's very interesting. Um, that's very, very interesting. Yeah, there's. Um, I did know there was a couple of iterations of Icelanders, but uh, I didn't know that they got wiped out for that. I actually thought they might have just left going, this is this is kind of cold and, and hard, but yeah, I'm not into it. We're going. But yeah, that's, that's good to know. Um, more evidence of this sort of stuff. I'm always interested. Uh, Peter Rouse says, I did OIA for temperature stations in New Zealand and found they had moved them, moved them to potentially hotter spots. Uh, yeah, bro, we're just moving this up to the top of this volcano and um, yeah, it should give us some accurate readings. Um, <laughs> apologies from my New Zealand friends out there. So don't start yelling at me for my shitty New Zealand accent. Um, as much as 10 times more people die from cold than from heat. That does not surprise me in the slightest. Anyway, that's it. That's where I'm going to wrap it up for today. Uh, thank you very much for joining me. I promise I'm going to try my darndest to get more of these out uh, when I can. Um, I was trying to change the format. I did film one, um, you know, kind of live, just talking to the camera. I, I just felt like it sucked. Um, and, and it means that I can't comment back and forth with, with uh, you guys like we do now. It means I'm just sitting here talking at you. Um, it, it was kind of a thought that, you know, pre-recorded videos get much more traction on, on formats like YouTube. Uh, but, I mean, at the end of the day, am I really worried about traction? I'm just, the people who want to listen will listen, I think. You'll come across it. But if you do want to like, subscribe, and share this, please feel free to. <laughs> because um, I actually think that's important. I, I never used to say this sort of stuff, but I think it's kind of important because um, what are we doing here? We're having open discourse. We're thinking about something. And some of the stuff that I'm saying is definitely counter to the narrative that, you, that people are getting fed on the normal news. Um, narrative that they're probably in their little echo chamber. And if we don't encourage this sort of stuff, I have a fear that it will disappear, that it will die. So we can encourage free speech by helping each other out, by sharing each other's information, by sharing each other's channels, by hitting like buttons, by hitting the subscribe button, by doing all that kind of good stuff. Even though it sounds corny and it, and it like kind of gives me the jitters to say it, to go like, oh, please like and subscribe me. I'm, you know, my my uh, self-worth is not linked to that. Um, I don't, I'm not really wrapped up in how many followers I have, but... I, what I am wrapped up in is exactly what I was talking about before. Is about getting that kind of information across, about trying to encourage people to be more self-reliant, more resilient, more responsible for themselves. Um, yeah, that's it. All right, that's it for tonight, gang. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you very, very much for joining me. Um, go get yourselves warm or get yourselves cool if you're in the, the Northern Hemisphere right now. Uh, enjoy a nice drink with friends. Go hug your family, tell them you love them, try and store more food, grow more food, all that good stuff that I always say. And until next time, Semper Paratus.